0: amen well good morning everyone good to see all of you this morning second Peter chapter 3 this morning is where we will be as Scott said April the 4th 2010 is the exact date we started the Oasis Church so next week next Sunday on April the 4th we'll not only be celebrating Easter as we did that first Sunday that we existed as a church, but we will be celebrating our 11th anniversary, and we hope you'll join us. Going to have a big day uh, on April the 4th. We are in the midst of a series through Second Peter on spiritual growth. Spiritual growth is essential. First of all, we should want to grow as Christians because it's God's will that we grow. That should be enough. But as we said from the very beginning of this series, another strong motivation for our spiritual growth is as Christians that if we're not progressing, we're regressing. If we're not moving forward, we're moving backward. And there are many Christians that, you know, could have been saved for many more years than other Christians, but because they've not grown and regressed, They're not as far along in their faith right now as there are some who are younger in the faith than them. It's a caution for all of us. It's a warning to all of us because our our Christian life never stays stagnant or stationary. It's always either moving forward or it's moving backward. And so Peter here has come along in this second Peter letter and basically said that Our spiritual growth should be the passionate pursuit of our life. It should be one of the priorities, if not the priority, of our life. But where we're going to go today is maybe a little bit uh, of a divergence from where we've been in the last couple weeks, because we want to look at our amazing God today. And that's always good, to focus on God, right? But, But Peter has a reason for doing it. If you and I are not captivated by the person of God, then we will not be captivated by the priorities of God. One of the priorities of God is our spiritual growth. But if God himself is not captivating our hearts and our minds, then we won't buy in to the priorities that he has for our life. What he wants for us won't be As important to us if he truly has not captivated us so in this passage we're going to look at today we're going to see some amazing things about our God and hopefully as Peter is writing here even in the first verse it will stir us it will awaken us to want to grow in fact look at these first couple of verses here of second Peter chapter 3 dear friends or beloved ones This is already the second letter I've written to you, first being 1 Peter, in which I'm trying to always stir you up. We've talked about that. Back in chapter 1, he said, I'm writing this to you by way of reminder so that I can stir you up. I can can get you fully awake spiritually so that you will be fully engaged and all in with God. But here he also sort of clarifies that stirring up. He says, I I want to specifically in this passage, I want to stir up your pure mind by way of reminder. What's a pure mind? A pure mind is an uncluttered mind. Think about that, how our minds can become cluttered. You know, obviously in the spring, it's one of the things that people talk about and do is spring cleaning and and hoeing things out and getting rid of things and all of that. Well, guess what? As Christians, we need to do that periodically with our mind because our mind can get cluttered. And and when our mind is cluttered, just like our lives can be physically, there's going to be a lack of clarity. (laughs) I mean, even going into maybe you know, places in your house or your garage where you have so much stuff that you don't even know where things are anymore, that can be true in our minds as well, where the things that should be forefront in our minds and front and center of our minds, we can't find them as really because our minds are so cluttered. God wants us to have an uncluttered mind. It is out of our uncluttered mind that we begin to have clarity which is why he wants to stir up our pure mind. Then he says this. We not only need to have an uncluttered mind, we need to have an unwavering commitment because he says in verse 2, I want you to recall both the predictions foretold by the holy prophets and the commandment of our Lord and Savior through the apostles, and we'll come back to that in a few minutes. Above all, understand this. The the word understand means to keep allowing this truth now to shape your outlook or to, to shape your thinking, if you will, going back to an uncluttered mind. Well, then, what should our mind be continually thinking about? That in the last days, blatant scoffers are going to come, being propelled by their own evil urges and saying, where is the promised return of the one you call Jesus? Now, the reason I say that that points out not only to an uncluttered mind but an unwavering commitment As Paul or Peter is saying, realize, Christian, that the closer you and I get to the time of Christ's return, the greater and greater there's going to be a blatant cynicism, if you will, and even criticism challenging the veracity of the word of God. Uh, There's going to be a growing number of scoffers who ridicule us as Christians, mock us, make fun of us, and even make light of our faith. The the Bible says this is what's going to happen. So unless we have an unwavering commitment, we're going to get caught up in the world And instead of being willing to have the strength and and having that strength through our spiritual growth to sort of picture, you know, the fish swimming against the tide or swimming upstream, if you will, like the salmon has to do, we'll just go along with the flow of the world because it's going to take more and more commitment from us to go against the winds that are going to be blowing against us because The cynicism and the criticism and the mocking and the ridicule is only going to get more intense as we get closer. And more and more people, even those who call themselves Christians and confess Christ, can begin to question the veracity of the Word of God. Now, obviously, we understand if we know the Bible that this goes all the way back even into the garden, where what did the serpent do to Eve? He questioned the veracity of the Word of God. Has God really said, and will you really die if you eat from that? That's been, that's been Satan's game plan from, game, from day one. We're going to question the Word of God. And in this context, Peter's going to, in the next couple of weeks, talk to us about the return of the Lord. And there's going to be those that go, hey, it's been so long. Maybe Jesus will never come. Maybe there's really not truth to that. And the reason why that even plays into our spiritual growth and our everyday Christian life is if, if I'm not living every day as if I could be standing before Jesus at any point, then again, I'm not going to be ready. I'm not going to be ready. I'm not going to keep, as he says, understand this. I'm not going to keep allowing this truth, the fact that there's going to be a a growing number of scoffers and critics and cynics, but also that I'm not going to keep myself ready to the fact that, yes, he could come at any time, including right now. So an uncluttered mind, an unwavering commitment, sort of all tie in together. But what Peter really wants to talk to us about in this passage is he peppers this passage with just truths about our God and saying that this is why we've got to have an uncluttered mind because our mind should ultimately be filled with thoughts of our God and who our God is and what our God has done for us, and we should have a God-centered mind, if you will. We should be every day, as Paul said to the Romans, having our mind transformed by the renewing of our thinking and that our thinking every day should be more and more about God and his principles and all of these different things so that it literally shapes our our minds and shapes our perspective and shapes our outlook so that we build an unwavering commitment no matter what the circumstances are that we're living in. And and let me say this, based upon even what we, you know, have dealt with as a church, we have seen as a church— this truth that's been borne out in front of all of our eyes, and that is that God expects us to grow as a church and grow as individuals no matter what the circumstances are that we're dealing with. And that's been proven true this year. We have grown spiritually as a church, and we have grown even physically and numerically as a church in the craziest year I've ever lived through. And God is saying to his people, you realize I'm going to hold you responsible for growing no matter what the circumstances, because I'm a bigger God than whatever the circumstances are you're dealing with. I mean, think about the early church. The early church exploded, and yet they were part of the Roman Empire. And if ever there were a people that was persecuted and, and not living in optimum you know, spiritual circumstances, it would have been the first century Christians, right? And yet the Bible says they were turning the world upside down, turning the world upside down. See, that's what God wants to see today from his people. Instead of us being defined by our circumstances or limited by our circumstances, there should be nothing that defines us other than God and nothing that limits us because we serve a limitless God who we saw last week. Nothing is too hard, nothing is too difficult, nothing is impossible for him. The Lord knows how. I might not know how, but God knows how. So speaking of that God, let's look at five things that Peter sort of sprinkles through this passage that reminds us about how amazing our God is. First, the first one is found in verse 2, and I'm going to alliterate, so we're going to start with the Ps this morning. It's his predictions I want you to recall, be mindful continually of the predictions, the things that God has declared to you and I in advance before they happen. I mean, think about it. Because our God is so amazing, he knows everything from beginning to end. He knows what's going to happen before it happens. He's got the future all mapped out in his plan. And there's many things about what's going to happen in advance that that he's declared to us. Now, he hasn't told us as Christians everything we want to know about the future, but he's told us everything that we need to know in advance of the future. And you think about that. That's amazing how God not only knows everything beginning to end, knows what's going to happen, but then is willing to reveal it to us and share with us his prophecies and predictions so that we can be what? Prepared. Why does God tell us things in advance? So that we're not caught off guard when they happen? So that we're not, like, totally shocked? And even again, as Christians, you can see the hand of prophecy and the hand of God in the events of this last year and, and through our lives. And you can see Bible prophecy just unfolding before our eyes. None of these things should take us by surprise or catch us off guard. God has predicted these things in advance and told us these things. Even in Second Timothy chapter 3, Paul says, God has told us in advance, in the last days, difficult times will come. And yet, how many Christians like, I didn't expect it to be so hard. God told us in advance, difficult times will come. Either we're not listening, we're not paying attention, we're not believing it. God told us in advance, difficult times will come. That's how amazing our God is. He knows everything. And he's told us these things so that we will be prepared. In fact, he goes on, Peter says to say, I want you to recall both the predictions foretold by the holy prophets and the commandment of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ through the apostles. And by the way, let me remind you of some of these commands based on the predictions of our Lord. You don't have to turn there unless you want to, but in Matthew 24, I mentioned a couple of these last week in Matthew 25. Listen to the words of Jesus recorded by the apostles to us that tie in to the predictions. These are the commandments of Jesus himself to his people based on the predictions. Therefore, stay alert, stay fully awake, because you do not know on what day your Lord will come. Blessed is that slave whom the master finds at work doing what I've called you to do when I come, no matter when it is. Verse 13 of Matthew 25, therefore stay alert because you do not know the day or the hour, over and over again. Stay alert, stay awake, be fully engaged, be all in. Let the predictions uh, that I have given in my word shape your outlook and your thinking and and, and allow them to be at the forefront of your mind because our amazing God has given us things about the future that no one else either believes in or understands or comprehends or knows or is willing to embrace. But we as Christians, we have the privilege of having God predict things for us ahead of time so that we will not be caught unprepared. The predictions of God are amazing because our God is amazing. The second thing about our amazing God back in 2 Peter 3 is his power. His power manifested in this passage through his word. Look at verse 5 of 2 Peter 3. For they deliberately suppress the fact, those who are scoffers, those who are cynics and criticizing the uh, the coming of the Lord because their, their premise is nothing ever changes. The world's always been the same. It's like, uh, no, it hasn't. The history of the world shows that God has intervened at different times in history, and He's done it through His powerful word. So Peter says they deliberately suppress this fact that by the word of God, heavens existed long ago, and an earth was formed out of water and by means of water. Nine times in Genesis one, the Bible says God said. All God had to do was just speak it, and the universe came into being. Verse 6, God intervened through these things. The world existing at that time was destroyed when it was deluged with water. By the way, we're going to talk about that verse next week or the week after. But by the same word, the same powerful word of God, the present heavens and earth have been reserved for fire. See, God sustains this universe now by his powerful word because He's got it reserved for something. It's being kept for the day of judgment and destruction of the ungodly. I've told Christians, you know, for years who've asked this, I said, you, you realize you're bought into the world that somehow the earth is gonna implode here in the next few years and not continue to exist, and, and life on it's not gonna be able to continue to exist. I said, if you believe in the predictions that God has said in his word and by his power to be able to reserve this world for his purposes, that even if Jesus were to come today, then you have a seven-year tribulation, and then after that, you have a thousand-year millennial reign of Christ on earth. So the earth has to at least exist with life being able to live on this earth for another thousand and seven years, even if Jesus were to come today. And how do I know that? Because God said. God predicted it, and because of the power of God and the power of his word, it will happen exactly as God. So I don't have to get all caught up. Now, listen, this is another mess. I'm not saying that we should not take care of our environment. I'm not saying that we shouldn't, you know, we're stewards of what God has given us. That's not what I'm saying. But what I am saying is we should not get caught up in the philosophy of the world and the fear of the world that somehow we're all going to cease to exist on this earth. God said, no, 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 I'm keeping this earth because I got a purpose for it. And my word is more powerful than anything else. And if I want to keep this ball rolling for another thousand and seven or however many years, God, I can do it. Because the same powerful word that's keeping this earth going and sustaining it is the same powerful word that caught it, caused it into existence to begin with. Keep your finger in 2 Peter 3. Go back with me to a psalm. I, I love this section of this psalm Psalm 33, verses 6 through 9. Psalm 33, verses 6 through 9. By the Lord's decree, the heavens were made. By a mere word from his mouth, all the stars in the sky were created. Stars. It's all God had to say. And guess what? A bazillion stars showed up in the heavens. That's power, my friends. He piles up the water of the sea, verse 7. He puts the oceans in storehouses. Let the whole earth fear the Lord. Let all who live in the world stand in all of him, for he spoke and it came into existence. He issued the decree, and guess what? It stands firm. That's power. Everything, and we here's the thing. As human beings, we don't even know, even with all of our modern technology, we don't even know how vast our universe is. We don't know how many bazillion galaxies are out there beyond all the galaxies that we do know about. The universe is so vast. And just the fact that you and I can't even... We can't even begin to understand how vast our universe is, and yet the Bible tells us that all God had to do because he is so powerful and his word is so powerful is just utter the word, and it all came into existence out of nothing. What an amazing God. And then, just like he did with his predictions, guess what? He gives us his word to live by so that you and I can sing his word and praise his word and speak his word over us and and meditate upon his word and live out his word and read his word and study his word so that we live by the power of God of his word. What an amazing God. The power of God's word. Nothing more powerful than God just speaking things and them coming into existence. And you and I get to live by that word every day. An amazing God. Let's go back to 2 Peter 3, verse 8. Now, dear friends, do not let this one thing escape your notice, that a single day is like a thousand years with the Lord, and a thousand years are like a single day. We'll come back to that verse in a couple weeks. Trust me, we we, we won't miss these. The Lord is not slow concerning his promise, as some regard slowness, but is being patient toward you, because he does not wish for any to perish, but for all to come to repentance. This is the last verse we're gonna look at this morning, but they have three amazing facts about our God. Besides his predictions and besides his power manifested through his word, look at verse 9, his promises. God gave us promises, not just predictions, promises. He committed himself. He assures us through his promises. In fact, Peter says in 2 Peter chapter 1, he describes them as precious and most magnificent promises that he's given us. Let me find exactly where that's at. That's found in 2 Peter 1, 4. Through these things he has bestowed, lavishly bestowed on us his precious and most magnificent promises. Our God is so amazing that he gave us promises. And and we could go down so many different avenues here. In fact, you probably, like me, have promises right now that you're thinking about that God has given to you that maybe even right now are precious to you and and that you're living by right now. I mean, that's, that's amazing that he's given us these promises. And let me just give you one sort of aspect of that promise. God promised us that he would never leave us or forsake us, never. I mean, and you and I, we get to live by that promise or in that promise every day. Even when you and I feel like God's not with us, God is always with us. In fact, Jesus even said to his followers while he was still here, he says, I'm gonna go away. And they start going, no, you can't go away. He said, No, it's better for you if I go away, because guess why? I'm going to send the Holy Spirit, and that way God's not only going to be with you, like I've been with you the last three years, God's going to be in you. And now every Christian has the Holy Spirit. Think about it. We carry God with us everywhere we go. There's nowhere where we are that God isn't, because God literally has set his residence up inside of every Christian. And then Jesus said, oh, and by the way, the Holy Spirit, his presence in you, every moment of the day should be an encouragement to you because he's the down payment or the guarantee of the best yet to come. In other words, if you truly know that the Holy Spirit resides in you, then every day we are reminded about, oh, my goodness, Because I have the Holy Spirit, I realize that all the other promises of God about all the wonderful things that's going to come in the future in the kingdom and and ruling and reigning eternally with Christ and being in heaven and and no more pain and no more death, that's coming because the Holy Spirit lives within me and he witnesses to my spirit every day, not only that I'm a child of God, but that the best is yet to come for us as Christians. Promises of God. Promises of God. How amazing is our God that he's given us predictions. He's shown us his power. We can live in his power and live with his power. And he's given us promises. And oh, my goodness, verse 9, his patience. His patience. I don't know about you, but I'm glad God is so patient. (laughs) And notice, Peter doesn't say that he's patient towards the unbelievers, that he wants to see saved, not that he isn't, but he says he's being patient toward you, you who are already saved, so that you have time to get your life in order and start spiritually growing before he comes so that you'll be in a better place than you are now. He's being patient. I love this word. It's the Greek word macromotheo. It literally means long fused, long suffering. God is a long suffering God. Now, I know this is a very unspiritual illustration, but it comes from the mind of your pastor who's not always altogether there, right? <laughs> so, my mind harkens back to my childhood watching cartoons and watching Wiley e. Coyote try to catch the Roadrunner. And he would buy these things from the Acme Company and they would be these, you know, bombs or explosives and they'd have a fuse like 10 miles long. I could never figure that out even as a child. I'm like, you realize the longer the fuse, the more time you give the Roadrunner to snuff it out and then you never never him. But that's what I think of when I think of God being long-fused with all of us. He is so patient. In fact, this word even means to exhibit restraint in the face of provocation. How restraining is our God? Because speaking now of those that don't believe in him, think about all the blasphemy that God has to hear every day. All the, all the human beings who say, you don't exist. And all he would have to do is say, I'll show you I exist. I'm coming back in great. And he doesn't. He doesn't. He holds back because he's so patient. That's our God. And that's not only who God is to the unbeliever, that's who God is to us, and I'm so glad for that. There have been so many times in my life where God has been so long-suffering and patient with me, and he will continue to be that because that's who he is. He's an amazing God, especially when you think about the fact that God could shut so many mouths in such a short amount of time if he just wasn't so patient. He could be that kind of God that says, I'll show you, I'll just, boom, you know. No, no, because here's why. He says he's patient toward us because he does not wish for any to perish but for all to come to repentance. And since we're going to alliterate this morning and we want to talk about these five amazing things about our God, it started with predictions Then it moved to his power manifested in his word. Then we have his promises. Then we have his patience. But the word wish really here speaks of his predisposition because it expresses his predisposition, his desire that comes from his heart of love. Peter is saying you realize the heart of our God that the reason he's holding back in the face of such provocation is because he's waiting for more people to come to him so that they won't go out into an eternity without him. And you and I have to, as Christians, we have to then align ourselves with the heart of God. Instead of complaining about living in such hard, difficult times, and especially about living on an earth that is in such a sad shape, we should also be looking at this as an opportunity for evangelism and witness, because that's why God's holding back. The church should be busy bringing people to the Lord because that's why God hasn't come back yet. He wants Christians to get our lives in order, and he wants to give more time for maybe just one more person to come to him. And there's probably not a person in this room this morning as a Christian that you don't have a family member or a friend or a co-worker or a neighbor or somebody that your heart is burdened for because you know right now that if God were to come back right now or that they were to die, they would go out into eternity without Christ. That's why God's being patient. So let's flip that then. Instead of us sitting around as Christians bemoaning the fact that we're living in such a difficult day, let's get out there and be busy bringing people to the Lord. And let's be growing and getting our own spiritual house and health in order so that God can use us to be a light, just like he wants to use the Oasis Church to be a light, to draw people to him before he comes back or before they go out into eternity. What a God his predisposition is born out of his heart of love for all of us. And when you think about that, you you even think about the fact that the father, out of his heart of love for people, was willing to let go of his son and watch his son be just destroyed. on this earth by those that his son created and you think about the love of Jesus who allowed himself to be nailed to that cross so that he could die and take upon himself our sin not his and then in that place give us his righteousness that we don't deserve out of his heart of love this is his wish by the way this is important to differentiate and I think it's a good time to mention this for all of us to be reminded of there's two kinds of wills of God okay there's his determined will and then his desired will his determined will is what he will do and choice is not an issue. It's what he's going to do because he's God. That's his determined will. And there's nothing you and I as human beings can do to change his determined will. But then there's his desired will. What his heart would want, what his heart would wish for, what his heart would desire, but he will not violate our free will to accomplish it. That's why, obviously, even though the Bible clearly says God is not willing that any should perish. In the book of Ezekiel, God's prophet says, God takes no pleasure in the death of the wicked. God wants every human being that He ever made to be saved and to know Jesus Christ and to have a personal relationship with Him. That's His desire. That's His heart. But we all know that many, many human beings have died throughout history and went into a Christless eternity. But they never went there unloved by God. Never. Because God's heart was always, I want you. I want to have a relationship with you. I want you to be saved. I want you to know my son Jesus. I want you to know the greatest love you could ever know, and that's me, my love for you. I love you. I created you. You are of great value and worth to me. I want you. And every human being that dies without Christ and goes into a Christless eternity does so never unloved by God. You and I can't even imagine the emotion and the what goes through the heart and mind of God when he sees one of his special creations like us go into eternity without him. By the way, the word perish here is a very important word also. It doesn't mean the loss of being. It means the loss of well-being. God doesn't want any of his creation to lose well-being. Because we'll never lose being. All of us will be for all of eternity. It's just, what kind of eternity are we going to have? And God's heart is, I want you with me. That's how amazing our God is. And his patience is exhibited every day on this earth. For all those that do not believe in him, who blaspheme his name, who say he doesn't exist, he could break through at any time and shut all those mouths. But he won't. Because he's waiting maybe one more day, one more week, one more year to allow a few more people to come to Christ. Maybe even here this morning. There's someone who needs to open up their heart to Christ. Maybe this was a wake-up call for you and I to raise the level of our witness to those that don't know Christ because that's why God is so patient. An amazing God. If we're not captivated by the person of God, we will never be captivated by the priorities of God. And Peter wants to lay out just how amazing our God is so that hopefully our heart will be so enamored by who our God is. Like, wow, God, there's no one or nothing in the universe that you created like you. I'm going to spend the rest of my days going after you like nothing else. I'm going to make my spiritual growth the priority of my life. And what better day to do it than today? Would you bow with me in prayer? God, I pray today that all of us would have a wake-up call in our life today, that all of us, God, would be stirred up a little bit by what we have experienced here today through our worship and through our time in your word, God. May we never forget how marvelous and amazing you are. God, you've given us predictions. You've manifested your power. You've given us promises. You've been so patient with all of us. And your predisposition, God, is that you love us so much that you're willing to go to any length, Lord, to have a relationship with us, even willing to become a curse for us on the cross so that we could have eternal life. And God, in just a few minutes, we're going to partake of your table, God, that you have laid out for us. And I pray today, God, that as we go through the motions of observing your table, that, God, we will do so with great meaning, that maybe the bread and the cup will even mean more to us today than it's meant to us for a very long time, God because we are reminded, God, of just how amazing you are and the amazing love that drew you from heaven to earth to be our Savior. God, would you go with us through this very special time? We pray in Jesus' name, amen.